0: Welcome to True 30 with Joey Dumont, a podcast that debates our society's most politically compelling topics through the lens of slow journalism. Each show is investigated with a focus on narrative as well as discovery. We believe that the complexity of our culture today cannot be crammed into six-minute television segments or snippets and memes on social media, where ideology and entertainment has overtaken the creed of historical reporting. On the program, you'll hear the opinions of subject matter experts to help you separate the signal from the noise. Our collective goal is to better understand one another, not win a battle. After watching, you'll be reminded that a proper debate is not about victory, but that of inquiry, education, and viewpoint diversity. So tune in and talk amongst yourselves. You may even learn a thing or two. Juan Williams is a journalist and political analyst for Fox News. He also writes for several newspapers, including The Washington Post, The New York Times, and The Wall Street Journal. Williams has also worked as an editorial writer, an op-ed columnist, and White House correspondent. He's a registered Democrat. Williams is the author of the best-selling book *Eyes on the Prize: America's Civil Rights Years, 1954 to 1965*, a companion to the documentary series of the same name about the civil rights movement. Thurgood Marshall, American Revolutionary, a biography on Thurgood Marshall. Williams received an Emmy Award and critical praise for his television documentary work, and he's won awards for investigative journalism and for his opinion columns. He's been at Fox News since 1997. It was my honor to have him on the show and talk specifically about two of his recent articles. Democratic infighting could spell doom, and chaos beckons if the MAGA GOP wins. I hope you enjoy the show. Well, there we are, Mr. Juan Williams. I really appreciate your time. I know that you, uh, after talking with Connor Smith over at Fox News, I know you're busy and he said, you know, Joey, it would be great if you could keep the interview to 30 minutes. So I'm going to do that out of respect for both <laughs> Connor Smith and you. And so what we can do is dive specifically into your role as a Fox News analyst. And yeah. a, a, couple, a couple of articles that I found very poignant, specific to uh, our democracy today, one of which is Democratic infighting could spell doom. And you wrote that on June 6th of 2022. And one thing that really caught my eye, specific to that article, is what if I told you more than a third of Democrats, 37% identify as moderates? Here's another eye popper. 12% of Democrats say they are conservatives. (laughs) Those are definitely uh, eye-opening little tidbits of information there.
1: Yeah, well, you know, in fact, uh, I just saw in the New York Times Magazine an article about the idea that moderate Democrats are declining in number, Joey. And the thesis there was that conservative Republicans, especially the Trump crowd, is able to say uh, every extreme liberal position taken by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the squad, all that, immediately gets laid on to moderate Democrats, you know, like President Biden, even though The mass of Democrats are not Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, are not the squad, uh, but are much more in line with Joe Biden. Um, But what you see is that it is used to weaken Democrats and the Democratic Party in the public mind. And apparently it's pretty effective.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that's part and parcel to what a lot of us are worried about. We've been reporting on this at True 30 And in January, we did an episode specific to that, where we have a minoritarian class, which we call progressives, uh, on the left. And then the rest of the moderates and the independents, uh, which, to your point, are almost the majority, if you take those numbers. It says here that the percentage of voters who identify as independent to both parties are 42 percent, now bigger than the voters who tell Gallup that they're either Democrats, which is 28 percent, or Republicans, that is 28 percent. So this... This middle party is moving around more so than ever, at least according to some of the writings you've had.
1: No, this is true. And by the way, this is true more so now, but it's been true as a political dynamic across time. What you see is lots of people, depending on events, they tend to say that I am an independent. But then when you really press them. They're either Republican or Democrat. They lean. They, what the posters say is they lean Democrat or they lean Republican. And then come election time, typically they snap back to that, to that Republican or Democratic identity, even though they're telling you they're independents. And what we're seeing now, I think, you know, as we approach the midterm elections and the like, and we have all these arguments, internal arguments among the Democrats. I think what you're seeing is people are distressed over the direction of the country about the kind of polarization in the political discussions. People really don't like it. Uh, and they the way they take out that discontent is they vote usually against the people in power. You know, if you listen to all the political pundits, people like me typically say, oh, you know, inflation's the number one issue out there. You know, it's really not. It's not. It's the biggest issue. The thing that makes people so discontented with America today is they feel we're not unified, that we don't support each other. We don't talk to each other. Things like the gun violence, they, they don't like it. And they think that's headed in the wrong direction. That's a bigger concern to them, even than the economic issues. And yet you wouldn't know that if you just listen to political conversation and commentary on TV or the radio.
0: And, and part of your infighting per your article, do you think that that, because I've always said that if you don't have any unity, you have no power. And I think that's the bigger issue on the GOP side, no matter what anyone thinks of the GOP, they are unified in their messaging, right? (laughs) They (laughs) They get that joke. And that's one of those things. I think it was the heritage Institute after, after uh, Nixon, that they came out and said, Hey, we got to get our ducks in a row, tail to beak. We got to speak the same language small government, pro-life, NRA, you know, if you ask 10 Republicans what they stand for, you'll get a pretty consistent answer. If you ask 10 Democrats what they'll ask for, what they stand for, it's all over the map. And to your exact point, if it's an AOC Democrat versus a moderate Democrat, you're going to get much different answers on that as well. And do you think that this, let's just say it's, there's different numbers out there, but 8% seems to be a pretty gelled number on the progressive side. So the AOCs of the world, they defund the police Democrats, right? That are saying yeah. these, are the, these are the narratives we want to get behind, critical race theory. Do you think a lot of these big topics are dividing the Democrats even more than the aforementioned, you know, inflation and, and is is that the piece that you see as far as the infighting or what do you mean by infighting specific to the Democratic
1: Party? Well, I'll give you an example right now, Joe. So there have been articles in the paper and a lot of it's 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 factually based, but I think it's a little bit exaggerated when it ends up on the front page. That's not accurate, but it's accurate. In fact, that there is talk about why isn't Joe Biden more aggressive in going after republican extremism why doesn't he take on the gun people especially after what you just saw in buffalo uvalde in chicago you know highland park Uh, why isn't he why is he more vociferous right or why isn't he more outspoken about the supreme court on the abortion issue you know and so the, the the far left segment of the democratic party says joe biden's too old He's just too accommodating. He's locked back in the past when Democrats and Republicans made deals. He thinks the guys he dealt with in the Senate, you could talk to them, you could have them over for dinner. They're saying that's a that's a part of history. That's, that's an anachronism at this point. There's no such reality. These people are kicking Democrats' ass with the kind of thing you just talked about, Joey. They come across with a message. And by the way, the Trump Republicans are very different than establishment Republicans with regard to what they stand for. But anyway, let's leave that alone for a moment. Uh, (laughs) But nonetheless, they're very consistent with their message. And if you listen to their podcast, if you listen to their radio, you listen to their TV, the number one thing they say is Democrats are a bunch of far left socialists, if not communists, and they stole an election. That's their big message. That's that's what they're selling is somehow Democrats are an elite who cheat at elections. They want to open the doors. Uh, They want replacement theory. They want to bring in a new set of voters to replace the American vote. And they're cheaters. They cheat. I mean, this is unbelievable because there's no (laughs) basis for this in the 2000 election results. Right. So how can they get away with saying something like that? And I think there are lots of Democrats totally frustrated, want to explode at the moment uh, and say, Joe Biden, why don't you get out there and scream like bloody murder? You know, I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a big piece of it. It's it's not only the discussion points, like I mentioned with defund the police and critical race theory. They're actually saying that the Democrats as a group, even the leadership doesn't speak up for itself and talk about its accomplishments. So it's one of those things specific to the infrastructure bill, which is a wonderful thing that did take place and the bipartisan bill on the gun control. You don't hear a lot of that. And I think that's another no, issue.
1: Have you heard anything about the idea that so many small businesses, uh, so many working class Americans were kept afloat by the COVID relief bill? No, you know, no. it's like, ah, yeah, you guys did that. So, and he did it without any Republican support, but please, you know, uh, Your spending is out of control and you've driven up inflation. Say, wait a second. So if the whole country, if all the restaurants, the retailers had gone under, you think we'd be in a better position today? Come on.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's another piece, I think, to the politics, then is that they're just not, they being the Dems, are not as good at politics as the GOP. That's
1: incredible what you just said, man. (laughs) That's that's sad.
0: It is sad, but that's kind of the reality in that sense, because I come from the land of media and our whole life, me and my colleagues for 20 plus years, were responsible for telling a story. Whatever that story was, you need to make sure you get out there and be sequential in your messaging make sure it's simple, make sure it's understandable, and then repeat, (laughs) right? That's (laughs) the idea. Just repeat, repeat, repeat. Repeat, yeah. And (laughs) get that question
1: swallowed, yeah.
0: And so then that also then, there's a great article by Darby O'Moro in uh, the, I think it was Newsweek in May, and he was talking specific to this divide. In much, he said that the Republicans Much has been made about the Republican shift among Hispanic voters. And to be sure, it has been significant between the 2018 and 2020 elections. Hispanic voters without a college degree swung to the GOB by 30 points. That's a staggering statistic. And then the next one he actually talked to in 2016, Hillary Clinton won black conservative voters by 58 points. But now in 2020, President Biden won them just by 20. So a 38 point drop. So what do you think there? I mean, do you see that the Hispanic and the black voters are also steering away from the Democrats based on messaging and feeling like they're not being taken care of?
1: No, this story is, again, oversold, oversold. The basic basic facts are right, not the numbers, but I think the basic facts are right. If you, by the way, just look at Democratic support for Biden, it's still about 80 percent. So I don't it's no no radical drop off or you've seen drop off is in terms of independent voters. And again, yeah. these are people who may have been lean Republicans, but now identify as independents, but especially after Trump, but are leaning back because the whole political environment, as I said, people are very dissatisfied with the direction of the country. And Biden's approval rating is in the tank, right? He's down around yeah. 39, 40%. So maybe they're leaning. But in terms of the minority population, Joey, this is really interesting. It's not as significant, especially black women. They're still with Biden, but and they're still with the Democrats. But what you see is, let's say, among black men, I think there are black men who think, well, you know what? The economy is not as great. I'm not happy. I don't see this guy performing in terms of, and this gets back to an earlier point in our conversation, I don't see Biden creating police reform after George Floyd. He said he was going to do something. He didn't do it. He let Tim Scott and the Republicans stop him. Or they think to themselves, what about voter suppression? Oh, wait a minute. Biden said this was like new segregation. You know, He wants to know who are these people? What are they doing to stop people from easy access to voting? And yet they don't get anything done. They have a majority in the House, a majority, slim majority in the Senate, they have the White House, they didn't get anything done. So there are a lot of people saying, Oh man, forget it. I forget. I'm tired of these politicians. They just lie to you, right? Okay. And on the Hispanic side, again, I think the power of the constant messaging, and again, good work by the Republicans. Can't take that away from. Them. But the constant message, these people want to defund the police. These people want to open the borders. These are the people who want to let transsexuals compete against girls. You know what I'm saying? That stuff, that culture war stuff, has a real strong level of penetration in that Latino community who's looking for direction in terms of American politics. It's still the case, though. I want to emphasize this. It's still the case that you can rely on sixty plus percent of Latinos to vote for Democrats and maybe more to vote for Biden. Hmm.
0: All right. Well, that's good to know. So let let's let's just graduate to your next article then, because let's just agree that we have division within the Democratic Party. The message is not good. What we do understand is your article. You wrote an article on June twentieth called "Chaos Beckons If MAGA GOP Wins." So this mm-hmm. goes back to your thing too. Old school, Ben Sass, Jeff Flake, McCain. Yes. I, you know, even for me as a as a centrist, I, I've always I looked up to those men. I thought they were good leaders, and we don't have them anymore, right? I mean, Ben's now an ambassador in Turkey, and I think Jeff, oh, is it no, no? Ben is still a senator. Jeff Flake is now an ambassador for Turkey. Uh, right. We just don't have any more moderate Republicans, and to that's one of your articles which actually this is the one piece that I wanted to talk about is the current maga stars are major Taylor green, Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, Paul Gosar, Andy Biggs, Mo Brooks. These are people that are very extreme. These are people that tout the exact line that you mentioned before, that this was a stolen election. They say it to get elected. They say it to remain elected. And they know that if they tout these ludicrous talking points, they could actually win in the primaries. That, that's pretty startling. And that should scare everyone who cares
1: about. I'm telling party. you, I mean, to me, you know, it's wacky. You got people out there who are spouting QAnon stuff, you know, about Democrats as pedophiles, killing. Yes. children, And people say this stuff and you think uh, nobody would take that seriously. And then you find out it's like a quarter of the party quarter of the GOP buys into that. And you think, how is that possible? What is going on in America, right? How can yeah. that be? Because you funny. can't really win,
0: right? You can't get the primary. So I actually read a book in 2016 called Hillbilly Elegy. And I thought oh, yeah. it was a fantastic book. And being being a center-left guy, I I really glommed on to J.D. Vance. I thought right. he was a good man. And for those of you who don't know, he was a... Uh, He grew up in the Appalachian border, uh, and and he was in Ohio, and he spent a lot of time with his grandmother, who was gun toting, hilarious character in his book. But the idea there was he seemed to be more of a old school McCain, you know, Ronald Reagan Republican, and so I liked him, and I liked his book, and I liked his his you know he went to Yale Law School, he was a Marine, went to OSU, graduated summa cum laude, very smart young man, had some Pretty harsh words for Mr. Trump when he came out, compared him to Nazi, uh, compared him to to Adolf Hitler and and said some pretty disparaging things about him. And then he started running for the Ohio Senate in the last four or five months and completely turned tail, said that Donald Trump was his favorite president in his lifetime and that he was the kind of leader we need today in our country. And he got his nod and he was way behind in the polls. And he actually took the primary. So now he'll be competing uh, in the November midterms. And so question I have there is it is Trump himself not maybe losing power, but the Trumpism of his party remains powerful. What do you think on that front? And why well, would someone yeah, you... like JD... well, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, why would someone like J.D. Vance have to kowtow to a person like Donald Trump if, if that wasn't the case? Because. I thought he had a shot as a moderate, but maybe moderates can't win anymore. I guess that's what I was trying to get to.
1: Yeah, well, I thought that's where you started, and I agree with that point. I think it's very hard for moderates in the Republican Party, but also getting harder in the Democratic Party to be just fair about it. It's harder for moderates in American politics to stand out and say, you know what, reason and logic, passion for the country and for fairness and what's right, Is the way to go. Now, you would think if this was, you know, a family conversation, if we were just talking like two guys walking down the street, you'd say, yeah, gee, I like Joey. Joey's a reasonable guy. I could vote for Joey. Go, Joey, vote, Joey, you know. But then all of a sudden we're walking down the street and we're confronted by, you know, somebody in a clown outfit. And somebody, you know, dangling a snake around their neck and somebody, you know, wearing a G-string and all of a sudden you're distracted. (laughs) You say, oh, my God, who's this? Who's this? You know? Right. And and you're like, what? That's what's going on in American politics today. You forget about reasonable, logical, rational people. They almost are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the guy who believes that, you know, aliens are coming to take us over that? a coronavirus was engineered by the Chinese and no one wants to say it. And you think, right. what? Where do you, what evidence do you have of that? And you say, why is it that American politics is now captured by the spectacle, by the kind of uh, bizarre theory and conspiracy rather than attraction to people who actually would be open to compromise and getting things done? Because right now, with this kind of polarized politics, Congress gets nothing done. You know who's getting something done? Supreme Court, crazy decisions in my opinion, but Mm -hmm. they're the ones who are setting the rules of the road at the moment because polarized politics get nothing done. But still, when it comes back to the voters, when they see people who are extreme, who make wild conspiratorial statements, they somehow are distracted and even attracted and interested, and listening, and thinking, yeah, there's somebody who's speaking the truth, it's baseless. But again, I'm, you know, I sit here, Joey, I feel like an old man complain like a cranky old guy. <laughs> but I mean, that's, I, I don't understand why, what happened to respecting, you know, looking up to political leaders, and being able to say to your kids, you know, that's somebody who's achieved something, and done something, and that we can be proud of, and he's not He's not like a JD Vance who just flips in the moment in order to convince voters who are Trumpian. Oh yeah, I'm Trumpian too. When in fact he was non-Trumpian. He was right. in, he explicitly said he couldn't stand Trump. Yep. Flips in order to try to get back, and then barely wins in the primary. We'll see what he does in the general. But to me, you know, that's not the kind of guy you want to associate with. That's the kind of guy, if you're in a fight in the alley, he's leaving. It. You know, you're, you're abandoned.
0: Yeah. He's, if you go into a crime with him, he take, we, you know, you, you rob the guy and then he turns the gun on you, takes it from you. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah, we don't need this.
0: <laughs> no. So, like, it, from your article, I'm just going to quote here. So far, voters have chosen eight candidates from the U.S. Senate, 86 candidates for the House, Five for governor, four for state attorney general, and one for secretary Terry of state who embraced Trump's election denialism that the election was stolen. According to The Washington Post, a of races in the 14 states that have held primaries or nominating conventions by the end of May. That's a scarier notion right there. Those <laughs> you, <ain't lying. laughs> you have over 100 people that are running for the GOP in some fashion that now agree that this election was stolen. And not only do they agree with it privately. They're saying it as part of their campaign speech, on the stump,
1: on camera. Hey, Hey. (laughs) you want me to really scare you, dude? Listen to this. A lot of them, you know, those people I listed, they may be secretary of state. And if they're, they're secretary of state in whatever state, they can then decide about how elections are decided, you know, outcomes, and you start to think, wait a minute—they have no basis for saying the last election was stolen. But they may invent a basis, and they would have the authority to decide the outcome of future election. This—I mean—it's—it—it—that it, 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 is wearing away at the body politic. And what really blows my mind is what happens if any of these people win and become Secretary of State, because if they believe the election was stolen but can't prove it. And then when election, believing that elect, the past election was stolen, they will have the power to decide the outcome of the next election. And they could, you know, in whatever fog exists in their minds, create reasons, justify it, and have the power to undermine the actual vote. That is literally deconstructing American democracy. It is. And that's actually something they're
0: doing on the ground as well. So as we go back to our earlier discussion around being unified as a party, the party is convinced that the election can be taken from them by us. So they're going to circumvent that by putting people in place that can actually change the electorate after the election has happened.
1: Yeah, on- talk, about, talk about the big steal. That is the big steal. It's not what they are referring to, but that's my version of the big steal. You just put people in power who say, yeah, you won. Heads, you win. Tails, you win. Yeah, we win. I mean, it's crazy to me. But again, you know, this is why I think people are so upset and say the country's heading in the wrong direction. They have lots of things that say, oh, it's the economy, it's immigration, blah, immigration, but you know what? I think people are just, they can't believe what's going on. And some people are locked into their own madness, their own conspiracy theories this is where I think like things are coming apart in America,
0: and it's to the point now where it's like the Bloods and the Crips in the sense that the same red hat, same blue hat, <clears> they <throat> hate you based on a color scheme. And right. the idea there is that I think that for me, what's been very difficult is I have a lot of Republican friends, conservative friends. I grew up in yeah. Minnesota. Many of my relatives, very religious folks. My mother being one of them, and yeah. so. What I'm more, I think, shocked about and more dismayed about is that we can't even talk as a culture anymore. Because if you say you're on the right, then, oh, well, you're a bigot. And if you're on the left, you're a socialist and a communist. And so, like, nobody's talking. And then because of that, we are actually attracting people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lone Bobart and Mo Brooks and these very extreme candidates. You actually put in the same article, which I think I did read, but I maybe wanted to forget. That Miss Sarah Palin is coming back into the fray. She's now running for Congress again, correct?
1: Yeah, in Alaska, and you know she is now trying to buy into the whole Trump line. You know, saying that she's going to make Alaska great again. I mean, it's <laughs> you know you just, you know what's going on. I mean, it's like politics has always been a theater. But it's now like a theater of the absurd, and we just want to see more craziness, and we're attracted to voting for people who are wild personalities. I mean, I don't think that there's much basis for Sarah Palin as a candidate, other than the fact that she's got tremendous name ID and... You know, she was famous for saying, you know, like lipsticks, lipstick on a pit bull, you know, and all this kind of stuff. That's that's I I really don't know what she has done since she was the vice presidential nominee and governor of Alaska. And, you know, it's I think she had a reality TV show. I think she tried to. Yeah. You know, she sued the New York Times. But I mean, is this a reason to say, oh, yeah. That's a really distinguished individual who deserves to be my representative. I don't I don't see it, but that's what's going on. It's like with Marjorie Taylor Greene and the guns and the uh, and the threats. I, I don't get it. You know, I don't either, sir.
0: Let me ask you this. So I let you go, because I promised I'd keep you under 30 minutes. What what do you think the Democrats can do <clears> to <throat> change some of the perception out there? Specifically, to your point, it's not just that we have issues, it's the perception is even worse than the the issues we're dealing with. So what do you think we can do um, as a republic, as a democratic party, to better serve the constituents, specifically to information and understanding what's going
1: on? Well, I think the first thing is, you know, Joey, you touched on this. I mean, it, you said you had Republican friends come from Minnesota and the like. You know, i got Republicans in my family. You know, it's not I don't feel that kind of antipathy towards anybody. Mm-hmm. I just want to have a conversation. I just want to like, hey, let's be real with each other. Do you really yeah. believe that Democrats are torturing children? I mean, What do you what? Where does that come from? Or, you know, <laughs> I mean, so. I, but the problem for me is even with my good intentions, when people say stupid things to me, I, I can't bite my tongue. When people say stuff like, you know, q and a's, I'm like, you really? Where is that coming from? And ultimately, I think it comes back to frustration uh, and anger, you know, maybe with the direction of their own lives or, you know, what they see as the country changing too quickly, whether that is a matter of demographics or economic shifts that are taking place in their lifetimes that people don't feel like they're being attended to. So for me, it's opening the door of conversation, uh, understanding that, you know what, Uh, if you looked at me and you said, oh, that guy goes to church every week and he's a father and he's a grandfather. uh, So I guess he's a Republican. You'd be wrong. But am I somehow divorced from people who are Republicans? Absolutely not. But I just don't want, I would like to be able to make deals and compromises and, you know, say, hey, here's what's best for America. And right now, I just don't think either side is into that. I think they're into sort of doubling down on the most extreme wild-eyed theories. That's what I'm seeing. And that's what what distresses me.
0: Well, I'm with you, sir. And, and let's just hope that, uh, you know, they say things get worse before they get better. So let's just let's hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we've gotten to the
1: worst part and things start. To- yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what. I Have mean, you heard people talk about civil war? I just don't. I mean, I just pray we don't get to something like that. I mean, I don't know With all these guns. You got to worry, right?
0: Yeah, no, that that's that's exactly it. So I again, I really appreciate your time. I know you're super busy and uh, I continue to enjoy your articles in The Hill. And keep doing what you're doing over at Fox. We sure need analysts more than ever.
1: So thank you again for your time, sir. This was more, more fun than I could have anticipated, Joey. pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you dig what we're doing over here, please subscribe. And while you're at it, please download an episode or two and leave a review. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Until next time,
1: big hugs.